Welcome, folks, to another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. This is going to be a big one. I'm fired up. My co-host, Ben Frawley, is fired up. Can't wait to get into it this week. Ben, how are you doing, my friend? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the world, around the internet? I'm ready to get into some things. Chris, I got some topics today. I got a lot of YouTube going on today. Whoa. We got new content plus old content. I'm just all over the map. And, you know, we're all <laughs> still stuck inside our houses. I hope everyone's getting ready to uh, to bundle in for, you know, hope, well, I mean, I, I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer, but I mean, second quarantine is coming. So I just hope everyone's bundling all this stuff, buying comics, buying books, you know, renting movies, getting ready because, you know, we're going to need to binge some stuff. So this is your source to pick up on that stuff. Well, it's like, you know, you just mentioned it, like second quarantine's coming. I'm like, it's going to be one of those situations where I'm like, walk out of my house and be like, I'm finally free. And then wait a second. Nope. Get right back inside. <laughs> it's like, cause the second wave is coming. Uh, hate yeah, everything. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, folks, if this is the first time listening to this podcast, what Ben and I like to do is basically bring some interesting, peculiar, exciting stories from the world of entertainment, whether it be movies, music, TV, you know, whatever entertains you. And we like to bring it to this podcast, but the kicker is I have no idea what Ben is bringing to the table, and he has no idea what I've got this lined up this week. So all the conversations that you're hearing are spontaneous, genuine. There is nothing necessarily pre-planned on this podcast. So Ben, let's kick it off, my friend. What do you got to start? All right. So uh, normally I don't like to bring up trailers because uh, how much can you really talk about trailers? You know what I mean? Right. We're talking about two minutes of content. We haven't seen the show yet, but I thought two trailers need to be spoken about. We haven't been on in a while. Um, I want to talk about the trailer for Mandalorian 2 mm. and the trailer for WandaVision. Um, both really interesting properties, of course, that Disney um, had pretty much in the can. We're wrapping up before we all got locked down. And the way they filmed them, I think they were able to film them during the whole lockdown thing. Mm -hmm. So um, first of all, let's break down Mandalorian 2. Uh, I listened to a bunch of podcasts, entertainment podcasts, and they were talking about the state of Star Wars in general. Um, so Mandalorian 2 looks great. Mandalorian, the first season, was a great all-around show. I, I thought, and we covered the show extensively on the podcast, I thought that this was probably one of the first times in a long time where they nailed the mark as far as parents and adults being able to get into this show and fanboys like me and a, a, a parents like myself being able to show a kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A little racy mm -hmm. here and there, but nothing too scary, but, you know, still kind of badass in a lot of ways. Loved it. Um, and I feel like that Mandalorian 2 looks like it's going to be the same, you know, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just just keep right. going. <laughs> so, you know, throw me a cool cameo here and there. It sounds like all the cast is coming back. Um, good stuff. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on the, the trailer? Just, just right off the bat, just nice and basic, and then I'll get into something else. Well, I loved, I love what they did with the trailer because they didn't really go into depth about anything. I mean, they showed you some clips here and there, some really exciting visuals, but in terms of storyline, I mean, they really didn't reveal too much. Um, and with a property like this, you know, you, you mentioned it, how, how solid the first season was. I don't care. It's like, I don't yeah. need to know what direction they're going. And I trust, uh, John Favreau and the directors of, of season two, uh, you know, really really well with what they want to do i mean this is not a ron howard directing solo type of situation it's like no no what you know they did a great job season one whatever they want to do season two gravy let's go i cannot wait uh I, my only uh I, I guess it's coming out what halloween weekend i think it was like october 30th i think is when it's coming yeah, out yep, yep uh so that is definitely gonna you know it's like oh my gosh i do i do I go, you know, thank God, there, you know, there's no trick or treating necessarily because I don't know. I'd be so torn about like, you know, like, all right, let's go to a couple of houses, but I got to get back and, and binge as much of this as possible. But, um, you know, and I got to get caught up on it too. I mean, I'm going to probably rewatch the first season just to get prepared, but uh, no, I cannot wait. It, it, it looks fantastic. What'd you think? Yeah. Uh, I, same thing. I, I thought it looks great. And, and the reason why I bring it up is yeah, they did a great job, and here's here here because you know they know we're gonna stream it. They know we're gonna, you know, do we have Disney? We're just gonna rock it now. Kudos to the people that put that out. But on the other hand, Chris, the state of the Star Wars universe. The reason why mm. I brought these up, the state of the Marvel universe and the state of this and the Star Wars universe are two totally different worlds exactly. in my mind. Um, it also came out a couple weeks ago, I believe the whole dizzy, uh, di oh my God, 
Ridley. Um, what's her? Uh, Ray. What's her name? Oh, oh my God. Uh, Daisy Ridley. Daisy, yep. <laughs> Dizzy Ridley. That's what I was going to say. Daisy Ridley. <laughs> Ridley Scott, but not Ridley, Ridley Scott. Scott <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> Ridley Scott. Daisy. Ridley Scott was going to be in the Star Wars, and they got pissed. No. Uh, Daisy Ridley came out. Um, pretty much said what I said my review of the the Last Jedi and the uh, last one was was just she had no idea what was going on. Um, they were filming scenes, changing their mind here and there, yeah. just going off the cuff. And you know, this is something that J.J. Abrams can do, and and seems to thrive in these kind of environments where they just he pulls it off. Like he's like he's just on the whim. Yeah, let's have. Um, you know, Daniel Craig be a stormtrooper. All right, cool. Like, let's do it. And like somehow makes a movie work. He's just kind of pressure man and works in that studio environment. And I don't think everyone can work like that. No. I think they brought him back. It was already a mess and it, it was too far off the rails. And so thank God for the Mandalorian bringing out content and, you know, something that we can trust in. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm still very weary. You know what I mean? Of, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be weary of the Mandalorian because it's not the show's fault at all. It's the right. the scale the scope of the of the Star Wars universe. Now let's jump over to the Marvel universe. Now WandaVision. Okay, let's get into this. <laughs> Chris, what what is going on in this trailer? What are your guesses? Did you did you like it? Were you confused? Were you what what? Just, I I honestly sat there. I saw the trailer, and I don't think I moved like a muscle in my face for like two minutes after the trailer was over, because it broke me for a second. I was like, "What? <laughs> what is this?" I was like so interested in what what this means, and you know, why is it skipping between what looks like different sitcom genres and things like that? And like one looks like Ozzy and Harriet, another one looks like Full House. Um, the costumes it, it's just one of, and then like obviously there's a dark spin i think at one point something says like you know someone says like but vision you're dead or something like that and the whole trailer yeah. takes a turn um it, it is going to be i think the trippiest thing we've ever seen in the mcu definitely but uh one of the trippiest things on television but you know what in an age of watchmen and um uh lovercraft country and things like that i i think this is going to be phenomenal like addition to that type of genre where you're taking this and you're just putting a weird spin on everything. But I think it's all going to make sense in the end. It's I think it's going to be one of those shows and I could be wrong, but like, I think the season one cliffhanger is going to be like devastating in some way. It's just, yeah. I feel it's that type of show. What did you think? I, uh, I totally agree. I think that they're onto something and something that they're, they're doing really smart. Kevin Feige and, and the whole brainchild community over there, at the MCU. And that's, that's the real difference is there's someone like that manning the ship over there. Um, and I remember like way, you know, way back in the day when the MCU was starting, there was an interview with Robert Downey Jr. And I'm talking about like maybe Iron Man two, uh, Captain America winter soldier was about to come out. And I think he was on Jimmy Kimmel and he sounded very hoity toity, you know, Robert Downey, pretty grounded guy. He's a pretty funny guy and uh, pretty like, you know, self-deprecating kind of guy. But, when they, they asked him what one of the movies coming out, I think it was Civil War. What, what, what's Civil War like as a film? And he said it's a little Godfather 2. And it was kind of a joke, but not really. Uh, mm -hmm. You can see where they took some of the themes from God, the seriousness and the tone from these movies. And then you could see, like, you know, Three Days of the Condor in Winter Soldier. And you could see little pieces of, like, a spy film and a little pieces of an action film, little pieces of this. And they've really just said, okay, we have these properties. How can we make different types of film where we're not just doing an origin story over and over and over again? Mm -hmm. I think that's where the DC universe is failing. And I think that's where Star Wars universe is failing too. Like every single character that were introduced is related to someone or has this crazy origin story. Or, you know, at a certain point, I just want to kind of meet some new people and get a new story going, not have flashbacks. I mean, that was my whole problem with the show lost you know what i mean it kept flashing yeah. i i want to see the the current story i want to explore the island not oh this happened seven years ago this happened 10 i was like i don't give a shit like i want to know <laughs> I, you introduced me to characters i care about them let's go like off to the races you did your work let's let's have ferris bueller's day off Let, let's go I, I you know here's ferris here's cameron here's sloan 
let's go to Chicago. Like, I want to go. Like, and so I think that's where they're succeeding in the MCU as opposed to the Star Wars universe where they've introduced us to awesome characters or we already have them. We already have them in the back of our heads. We kind of know what their powers are. Let's rock. And I just yeah. think they're just firing all cylinders, Chris. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that actually is a good segue into my first topic was we just heard today, actually, uh, news about uh, further delays of films being released. And sadly, basically the entire MCU staple of films that we were going to get, uh, starting with Black Widow this past May, uh, have all been basically pushed back even further than they originally uh, were. Some of them were gunning. So originally Black Widow, uh, I believe, they were gunning for a winter, uh, December yep. release. Uh, that has now been pushed back till May of 2021. So, you know, because Marvel brilliantly uh, weaves these storylines and, you know, these movies do need to, to be released in a certain order, um, basically the entire phase four of Marvel, uh, we're going to have to wait till basically a year from now uh, to, to get any of that. And as depressing as it sounds, you know, obviously it's the right thing to do. You, you, you know, we, we can't have mass gatherings in, in theaters yet. That's just not possible. Um, and obviously, you know, you don't want to rush uh, certain things and start releasing things out of order because that's just not going to make sense. And just for from a storyline standpoint, that's the wrong thing to do. But at the same time, it's like, man, you know, with all these streaming networks, with Disney Plus, I mean, I don't know what the success of Mulan was on Disney Plus in terms of people paying to see it I haven't heard Plus. anything, so I'm thinking not that good. <clears throat> well, so Disney, so this is the weird thing. Disney's not not reporting it. They're not telling anybody how much they made off of it. But they did say that um, their subscriptions uh, increased by about forty percent uh, when during the weekend that Mulan came out, and hmm. uh, in, you know when you compare that to the seventy two percent jump when Hamilton came out earlier in the summer, um, you know who knows what that means so to speak. But I, I will say this, most of the people I talked to uh, about the film uh, you know, on Facebook had purchased it. They were like, you know what? It's 30 bucks. You know, let's, let's watch it. Um, and, and whatnot. I, I myself did not do that uh, because it was one of those movies where I was like, I was going to watch it with my kid. And uh, when I found out it was PG 13, I was like, no, nah, we'll probably have to wait for that. So, right. um, but anyway, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you know, you, Disney has this ability to release some of this stuff on uh, Disney plus and they're just not doing it. And I think at some point, I think people are going to start getting frustrated by that. Um, maybe the other are, maybe they already are. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like you, you can release this anytime that you want, but you're choosing not to because you think you're going to make more money in the theater. So then it therefore becomes more about money than caring about your fandom, which by the way, it always was that with Disney, but at least, you know, we were getting things when we wanted it, uh, so to speak. So I don't know. I, 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 it's one of those things where I, I understand why they're delaying all these things. And it's not just the Marvel films. I mean, the musical West side story uh, remake that was supposed to come out this December that just got pushed back a full year um, as well, because um, obviously you don't want to, you want to lose that, that Oscar buzz time. Um, but it sucks. <laughs> it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, it really, really sucks. And, you know, we're living in this time where, you know, things like Tiger King, you know, that these mass things that are put out by Netflix and, you know, you know, Disney plus they're getting a huge wave of attention because we're not getting other content and things like that. So it's like, I don't know, for some reason, I, I think if these companies were smart, they would put out black widow like right now because it would just create so much buzz. Like everybody and their mother would probably watch it because there's nothing else to watch right now. What, Ben, what do you think about that? Well, I, you know what, Chris, one thing that I don't think we've spoken about is the death of uh, Chadwick Boseman too. Right. So, I mean, and which rest in peace, this is awful. I mean, this happened when we were off the air and stuff. It's just awful. And then I woke up the next day and it was still a reality. I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's real. It's still real. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know what, just kind of maybe a little selfishly and a little respectfully half and half, maybe they're taking advantage of this and just saying, you know what, we got to really think about what we're going to do as far as, mcu goes and as far as black panther goes you know what i mean mm -hmm. i think they mm -hmm. i think that's a lot and so you know what i i kind of dig it the delay if it means that they're really going to sit back and i know it's in good hands they're going to sit back and go okay we need to remap some things because 
you had a sense that Black Panther was going to be a major part of the new Avengers and everything. I mean, Black Panther 2 was slated as one of the first releases in, you know, Phase 4 and everything. So I think that's a little bit of that too, Chris. Mm, interesting interesting yeah so we'll see what happens but obviously you just you obviously there's a selfishness of just wanting new and fun content to watch and things like that and obviously you have to know that these things um have to be released you know when they when they can be released so there you go um what do you got for your number two my man number two we're gonna we're gonna go back in time chris we're gonna go a little back in time uh you know the the good thing about being locked inside is going to catch up on some of the movies that you rewatch over and over and over again. And you just kind of haven't seen in a while. So I want to bring up 1983's Scarface. Chris, are you familiar with Scarface? Yes. Um, So I was like, I bought this on voodoo for five bucks a a while ago. It was on sale. I was like five bucks for Scarface. I think I had on DVD a million years ago, but you know, you know, like, I don't know if you've gone back and watched, rewatched some DVDs and they're not in HD they don't look good on the big TV. So for five bucks in HDX, it was like a steal for me. I was like, okay, oh, I'll buy course. I'll buy Scarface. So rewatching this movie, I still love this movie. I don't know what it, so to me, this movie's so over the top. Most gangster <laughs> movies are over the top, but there's a lot going on in Scarface. The Pacino in Scarface is off the chain. first oh, of all, yeah. just still out that performance is out of control and just still great. But I, you get a sense when you hear any kind of interview with him or De Palma, and that's on my YouTubing. There's a great um, ten minute video of him talking about becoming Scarface. A great little clip, and it's Oliver Stone, De Palma, and him talking. It's great. Um, but you get a sense that they knew that what they had was this kind of gore fest, gangster, crazy opera, and <laughs> so he really turned up the the full fledged Pacino and, and you know went into fifth gear. I think that's really the the turning point for Pacino, as oh, far yeah. as you know. Okay, I was the the quiet Michael Corleone, the reserved, quiet like internalized kind of Michael Corleone, and then. You know, it started getting a little more unravel. He, he had some crazy, great, crazy roles. You know, Serpico's a little elevated, and Justice for All, A Dog Day Afternoon. It's like, okay, you see it kind of coming, and then Scarface comes, and he's like, oh wait, I don't need to hold back anything. Right. <laughs> I'm on film. I mean, I'm ready for the Devil's Advocate tomorrow. Let's just do this full, like, ooh, like just like going crazy. Um, so everything's great in the movie, but Chris, the reason why I brought this movie up, okay. And this is a a crazy question. I've been holding back. I wanted to kind of like get your opinion on this. Uh, And folks, this is a raw take from Chris Peterson. Raw take. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm building you. Okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching videos of how he became Scarface, how a lot of people in the movie are Cuban, um, you know, especially Manolo. I I don't know the actor's name. I love him. I love Stephen Bauer. Stephen, he's freaking great in the movie. I love him. Uh, he's probably my favorite part of the movie. He's probably like one of the funniest parts of the movie. It's just he went on to have an um, amazing uh, Cinemax uh, softcore erotic film career. Oh. So there you go. I Yeah. I, I, the <laughs> interviews that are on YouTube, the man still looks like he's like an Adonis. He still looks great. Oh, he's great. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> so good for him. Taking advantage of his you know, tools. Uh, <laughs> but um, the reason why I bring this movie up, Chris. So in today's culture of cancel culture, culture appropriation, uh, people being more sensitive to things like blackface, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think Al Pacino playing Tony Montana is appropriate? Well, it wouldn't happen again. I'll put it that way. Um, if they did, okay. if they were, if they were, I mean, I, I've heard this like rumored remake for the past couple of years. Um, if they were doing this movie again, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be playing Tony Montana. Um, and and I'll be honest, I mean, it's one of those performances that when you look back on it, and again, feel people can feel free to disagree. It, I don't look at that as a problematic performance. I don't look at that as, you know, he's not doing blackface and okay. you know, perpetuating stereotypes. I think you know he is he's a complicated, angry character now keep in mind i mean scarface was a, a remake of an earlier film about uh more of an italian gangster back in right. the day and so it, it the character is obviously this rage filled loose cannon very trigger happy gangster um and 
you know, but again, when you watch that performance, I, I don't see it perpetuating stereotypes. I don't see him making fun of Cuban Americans. I think there was a sincerity. And again, when this movie comes out in 83, um, at that time when white actors were being cast in these roles, I looked at this as being, you know, if you're going to do it, do it like this. Research the character like Pacino researched this, uh, so to speak. Now, is every performance like that? Uh, in the film, no. F. Murray Abraham is preposterous. Oh, uh, and Robert Loja gets Robert Loja is preposterous. <laughs> uh, in this, movie. I almost texted you like while I was watching it. Like it was either yesterday. I was like, no, I'm going to save this for the podcast because at some points, like I don't understand why Frank has to be Hispanic. He could have just been a white guy, right? And 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 I'm like, because at first you're like, oh, all right, Robert Loja is just dating Michelle Pfeiffer. He's just a white dude in Miami. And then all of a sudden, it's like scene three of Loja. He starts having a Mexican accent. And I'm like, you're like... He's all over the place. Yeah, he's He's, just all over the map. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean... And and Mary Elizabeth... uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastriano, who plays his sister, Gina. I don't know what's going on there either. That's another performance where I'm like, what... What is happening here? And especially at the end of it's just like, okay. Uh, I remember, I remember seeing this film when I was uh, in the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Uh, Ooh, we waited I, a little longer. Little okay. long, I, was like, I mean, I was going to say like 17 for me, like 16, 17. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I just, I hadn't seen, I, 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 I was on my radar, you know, obviously knew a lot of the quotes, like say hello to my little friend, but just right. had never seen the movie. So my friends and I went out to my friend's house in Martha's vineyard and we brought out this movie, uh, Goodfellas, and Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh, and that was one of the great movie viewing weekends I've ever had because I had never seen those movies before oh that my time. God. And so we're watching we're watching Scarface and the chainsaw scene comes up and I lost my mind. I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> and now the leg, eh? And I was just like, oh my God, this movie. So I uh, ended up loving it. I ended up doing the whole like, you know, Cribs thing where you have to have like a Scarface poster someplace in your apartment or dorm. So I had it in my dorm room for uh, in college. And then my first couple of apartments, I had to have a Scarface poster in there. So I adore the movie, but it is there. You mentioned it before. I I, I theorize that this is the movie that broke Pacino for a couple of years where it's like he, yeah. De Palma, I, 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 I don't know what you think about De Palma, but I always looked at him as more of a crafting an overall film rather than constant, like an actor's director, if that makes sense. He's not going to, he's not going to give Pacino notes. He's just more worried about the pacing of everything, the atmosphere of oh, everything. Oh yeah. You know, and, and, and what, what kind of, what kind of cool one shot can I pull off in this scene? Right. He's more, he's more of a technical, like what kind of camera lens are we using on this? Yeah. Shot? You know what I mean? And you see and a lot that, of that. Just yeah. let Al go nuts. Just let, let, just yeah, let Al go nuts. So like, like, yeah. Scarface <laughs> too. Let's, let's just have, you know what? I'm not even going to talk to Al. I'm gonna be behind the camera, Al. You just roll in, do your thing. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like Martin Sheen in the Apocalypse Now. I'm just gonna put the camera in the room, and you just go nuts. And so, yeah, yeah. You know, put I, on <laughs> put on the doors, and then we're just gonna go nuts. But I gotta tell you, Scarface, uh, one of the great soundtracks of all time. Uh, that opening, that opening theme song hits. I'm, I'm dancing in my seat every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you know, movie. and then I went down. I went down the rabbit hole. So I, I did a little YouTube, and and then, um, then on Spotify, if you want to do this, this whole kind of get like encumbered by it, uh, look up Grand Theft Auto Three soundtrack, which mm. has a lot of the songs on there, and then, um, which was pretty much the soundtrack of Scarface, and then uh, Vice City, which is pretty much Scarface. It's pretty much Scarface, yeah, yeah. Um, they have a Vice City. Se- playlist on spotify so you can just oh. and like it's so great there's like this middle part of the pl- playlist and i'm like i miss this game so much just you know riding a motorcycle and shooting people on it was so great to <laughs> <laughs> so like joe jackson or something but I, I just love i love that movie because i mean it's the pacing is fantastic the the rise and fall is amazing uh the the shootout at the end is one of the best things i've ever seen in my life um, as, a, as a young man, um, so and I, I love I love Scarface's impact on pop culture uh, as well, especially in the hip hop culture. I mean, it's it, I love that. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it, it's never a twist of the arm for me to watch that movie, and for five no. bucks to watch it in yeah. HD, 
I gotta yeah. get on that. I'm gonna probably do that right after we get signed well, it's, on. It, so. And and I don't know if it's still available, but I I own it for five bucks. It was on like oh. sale. Yeah, oh, it wasn't geez. a rental. Yeah, it was crazy. I own it forever for five bucks. So it might be like seven ninety nine right now, but it still might be worth it. Oh my god, I pay I pay at least double digits for that. If you send yeah. me twenty bucks, sure, not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> but Good um, stuff, so man. Chris, so so Chris, what's your so your verdict is it's fine, but it would never take place. Now. Right. There's nothing you could do about it now. I'm not going to cancel it. I'm not going to call it out and be like, oh, how dare they back in 1983 cast uh, a non-Hispanic actor in an Hispanic role. Um, but just understand that, like, obviously times have changed and you can't you can't do that anymore. Um, now, and now yeah. here's another question. Follow up question. So, like, when I was, you know, acting on stage and stuff, I've I've had to do a couple accents. Right. I had to, I had to do like an Italian accent. I had to do a Welsh accent for dancing at Lunasa. Did so, you have French accent for Hotel Veradiso too? No, Italian. I was the Italian. Italian. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so is – all right. So how far are we going with this? Because is that inappropriate now? <laughs> no. And, of course, not? I'm not – by the way, I am not the judge, jury, uh, and executioner of these decisions, by the way. Oh, no. In, in no, my opinion, I though, thought it's just a good discussion. You know yeah. what I mean? It, yeah. It's just a good discussion to have. For me, I, I think I think the line is with – how do, I, how do I put this? Um, biological differences. Like so, skin tone or skin color. Okay. So, you know, from a racial standpoint, um, you know, not necessarily country of origin, you know, between, you know, so if you have a, a French background and you happen to play an Italian or a Span or a Norwegian person, you know, who the F cares when it comes to right. race though, I think that's one thing. I think I think gender is another thing, uh, and I think uh, ability as well should be taken into consideration. I think, you know, there there needs to be kind of an end to when we're we're casting certain roles of disability to really start considering actors with disabilities, and there are plenty of them. Uh, Ali Stroker, who just won uh, the Tony last year for Oklahoma, is in a wheelchair, and she's uh, doing amazing work. So the, the 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 thought that there are no actors in wheelchairs, there's no actors with disabilities. That's a that's an unheard of um, stigma. So I think from a biological standpoint, that's where the lines are drawn. But when it comes to countries of origin, uh, religion, things like that, I do think it's it's okay for people to play those roles who might not be that role. Now, I, the ridiculous statement that I hear when we bring up this, this conversation from people that just want to troll me is like, well, you know, uh, I'm not a, a barber by trade, but so does that mean I can't play Sweeney Todd and blah, blah, blah. Stop it. That's just being ridiculous. And it, right. when people say that they're devaluing uh, the, the, the argue the, the voices of BIPOC people right. that that really truly are you know um, uh, stigmatized and things like that. So anybody who says that, stop it uh, because that's just being dumb and stupid and, and it invalidates everything. So um, yeah, I think it starts with your biological differences. Um, but I think if there is greater effort by casting professionals and producers to cast. Uh, a, you know, a Jewish cast for, for like, let's say Fiddler on the Roof or, uh, you know, having an all Muslim cast for a show about, you know, the Muslimic faith and things like that. Do it. Why not? Try, try to like, you know, put an effort into. Um, and then if you can't like, then, you know, make sure to, to show your work, make sure you're showing the due diligence. Yeah. I mean, I, I just thought it was an interesting topic to bring up as all of us are kind of running out of content. You know, you're talking about how people are kind of getting fed up with just stuff getting pushed back. And I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about how we should have a term for this. I, I'm getting very suspicious, Chris, of things that are coming out. And I'm like, how old is that? Like, was this on a shelf somewhere for three years? Like, right. There was uh, there was like a, a new show that was coming out. Uh, me and me and the lady are going through Downton Abbey right now, which is phenomenal the second time through um and there's all these little amazon previews before the shows and i'm like a new to amazon and i'm like looking at this and the actors are kind of like b actors now but i'm like when did this movie come out it's just i don't know i i'm getting very suspect of stuff right. coming out so all well, of us are going through old stuff and so i just thought it was cool to bring up this topic as we go dig through yeah. our favorite movies yeah well i mean you just brought up a good point because uh disney plus 
just put out, put out a movie called like Magic Camp or Camp Magic or something like that. Uh, it was filmed in 2017 and it yeah. sat because and it they didn't release it because it starred Jeffrey Tambor, who was going through a whole Me Too thing. Uh, so it's like Jeffrey Tambor, one of the guys from Pitch Perfect and things like that. Um, and you're just like, wow, uh, this movie is terrible. And also, like, it, it should have come out years ago when these guys were actually more relevant. So, um, yeah, I totally see what that's, what's happening on that end. But, um, yeah, we'll see where, what else. Yeah, there's a there's a new property. Um, oh, my God, a total brain fart. We're, um, who's the Say Anything guy? Oh, my God. John Cusack. John Cusack. There's a John yeah. Cusack show coming out. I just saw a little trailer for it on Amazon, or it might be out. And, I mean, I love John Cusack. I'm a big fan from way back. Um, but he's in, like, a new show, and it looked interesting, but then I'm like, really? Like, does he really have the star power, like, in 2020 to carry a show? But then I was like, maybe in 2015 he did? Did this show get made in 2014, and now we're repacking? <laughs> like, that's where my brain's going now as I'm watching right. trailers. I'm like, how old is this show that I'm watching? Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> love it, love it. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. So for my number two this week, uh, Ben, I don't know if you read this, but news was just uh, announced that uh, Tom Cruise, our good friend Tom Cruise, um, is now been approved and cleared to film a movie in space. So Tom Cruise um, will and a film crew will be launching into space on a SpaceX rocket sometime in the next uh, two to three years. I think they're going to do it by by 2024, I think was what I heard. Um, and they're going to film scenes for what probably will be a ridiculous movie uh, on that end in space. And I feel like someone like Tom Cruise, who, by the way, is pushing 60 at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've heard of midlife crises. But other than like Jackie Chan, have we actually ever seen someone who has like this this like wantingness to do these outrageous stunts uh, for movies at an advanced age? And is it worth it? Does it does it do anything for you? Like seeing him jump out of a plane and you know uh, hanging onto a plane in Mission Impossible, or jumping over a building and breaking his leg uh, in in Mission Impossible and things like that? Does that do anything for you? Uh, you know, I'd like to say so. I'm a, listen, giant Jackie Chan fan, like, oh, yeah. and I still watch just clips from time to time with the kid. Like the ladder fight, the ladder mm. fight in First Strike. Deacon and I just watch that. Like I'll just put that on, and we just watch it. I mean, we marvel at it. There's something about the ingenuity and the comedy inside of it. So I think the the difference for me between Tom Cruise and Jackie Chan was. Jackie would do these little things in his movies that would – he would, like, flip a pencil off the desk and catch it behind his ear. Or he would, like, flip a fan or something like that and just mm -hmm. so it looks cool. And not necessarily it was dangerous. Not necessarily it was, like, the craziest stunt of all time. He had plenty of that. But most of the time it was, like, him climbing up a wall. You know what I mean? Or him jumping right. a fence and, like, parkouring something before parkour was a thing. And, like, so you just watch these movies. You'd be like – Wait, what just hit? You'd have to rewind the tape. Like in Supercop, he does it like a bunch of times. And you're like, wait, what? how did he get over that wall? <laughs> he would just do <laughs> these things. And it would probably took him a billion takes. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the difference for me is, you know, when Jackie was making at the height of his powers, you had four minutes in the can. So four minutes in like a film canister. And if you don't get a stunt, you're waste. You just wasted like two grand. Right now, here we go. Load the camera again. Let's flip the pencil. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. That's another two grand. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like at a certain point, this is getting ridiculous. And so now technology, I mean, I could film myself jumping off a roof over and over and over again. And then I mess up once and then put that up on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And then I just delete the stuff that I didn't use. I, I don't know. There's something to me. There's a little bit of like, I can't believe that was caught on camera. And there's a little bit about like when he's hanging off like the side of a plane, Tom Cruise, it's not like he's doing something. He's doing something dangerous, extremely dangerous. He's trained for it. It's almost like a David Blaine stunt, which he did the whole balloon thing recently, which was cool. Um, it's more like a spectacle as opposed mm -hmm. to, I don't know. Jackie Chan just had a flair, a je ne sais quoi, like this <laughs> kind of quality like to it. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? 
I mean, I, to me, it doesn't do anything. Like it's a, it's a like an ooh moment where it's like, oh wow, he's hanging off a plane. Ooh wow, he jumped over the the buildings and things like that. But it does. If the movie sucks, it doesn't. I don't care. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like that right. the stunt is great, but if like the mummy was a whole thing where they filmed a plane actually like doing a skydive. So this way you could get that sensation of the people like floating around the cabin as this plane is like descending at a rapid pace, but the movie was still terrible. So who cares? Um, so I would rather, right. I would rather, t- exactly. I would rather, that's why I like Jackie Chan, like rumble in the Bronx is one of my favorite movies. Cause it's not only is he doing some insane stunt work, it's a good movie. And I, yeah, I just think with flip, Tom, right? yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise, it's like, I, I don't need the evil, that single evil Knievel stunt is never going to make a movie for me. And, um, you know, I would much rather Tom just concentrate on, on churning out a good overall film. And, and if someone is pressuring him to do these things and to test the limits, so to speak, uh, stop. I don't need it. You know, and I, I don't, there's, I think there's a small minority of, of theater goers, goers that do need it. So, I don't know. I just, I'm, I looked at, I saw that article. I was like, of course he's going to space. Um, and you know, who cares? <laughs> it's, it's like, just you make know, a good movie. And, and you know, my, my opinion of Tom Cruise, and I think a lot of people's opinion of Tom Cruise has waned and waxed and waned over the years. Yeah. Um, and I, he, I get it. Like you said, he's putting butts in the seats. He's people are getting buzz going and that's why he's doing these things. But we know he's capable of great things. We know he's capable of a few good men and the firm, and like high high quality drama, like Oscar nominated things, mm-hmm. we know he's capable of these things, and those are the movies. I think at the end of the day, at the end of his career, those are the movies we're gonna go back to. It's not gonna be like, I don't know. Remember that time he jumped out of the plane? It's like they'll show the real, the clip of that one scene, but yeah, the movie's terrible. Like overall, like I'd rather have. <laughs> Like, if you want to get me in the theaters for, like, a cheesy action movie, have some stunt performers, have some special effects, and set up Fast Five on the projector. I'm ready to right. rock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's all the behind the scenes. Like, they still talk about that movie, just how they did it. And just it's, – it's fascinating how that came out, and it's tons of fun. And I know that they replaced, you know, Vin Diesel with the stunt driver when you pan out. I get it. I don't need him to actually break through a wall with like a Humvee, like the rock does. It was like, I don't need that. I, I need it to look cool. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I need it a little more flair than just spectacle. That's my all answer. Right. Yeah. Right. No, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, all right. What else you got? Number three, my final one. I got three this week, Chris. Um, I'm actually going to bring up <laughs> drum roll. If we, do we have drum roll in the budget? Uh, well, you, you know, I just, Oh, there you go. Uh, no, don't do that. It's terrible. Okay. It's terrible. All right, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, um, I'm going to talk about a book. Oh, a book that I read the whole thing. Look at you reading. I know. I know. I mean, it took me the summer. Well, it's almost October. It took me like more than the summer. But I was reading a book called The Vapors. Now, Chris, did I tell you about this yet? I don't think so. Okay, I didn't think so. So. The Vapors is about a a place down in Arkansas, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which was the Vegas of the South before mm. Vegas was anything. And it takes us on this journey for, through the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s when this place was up and operating. So there's this. Uh, the reason why it's called The Vapors is The Vapors was the name of this giant casino that they built inside of Hot Springs, Arkansas. So starting off with the gangsters of the 30s, the bootleggers and everything, they would go down there and they had um, healing, you know, hot springs down there in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And people went down there and it was like they thought they could cure their ailments and all those things. And then they started opening gambling halls because it was illegal gambling halls. Mm-hmm. Totally illegal. And the reason why they were able to operate for almost four decades was the casinos would pay off the local law enforcement. (laughs) Local law enforcement was hired, either retired law enforcement or people that were just off shift would come and do security at the casino. So it was revenue in the city made it huge. And it was kind of like a Southern kind of getaway. It sounded like one of the coolest places ever. And I had never heard of it. 
Um, the reason why I heard about it is uh, The Ringer, the website that I like, uh, David Hill, who is a writer on The Ringer, he came, he wrote the book um, about this place, and it is so interesting. So speaking of gangster films, right, we were talking about gangster movies. If you watch Boardwalk Empire and you watched anything about Al Capone and then you watched Godfather 2, um, it's kind of the in-between those things. It's hmm. kind of what happens – in between, like, Boardwalk Empire and, you know, uh, the flashback scenes of Godfather 2 to the present time with Cuba. It, it kind of fills in the gaps, and it is really fascinating. And they bring up Lucky Luciano goes down there. There's lots of gangsters that you'll – Meyer Lansky is mentioned in the book. There's lots of gangsters that you'll recognize from giant scandals. And so I can't recommend this book enough. I loved it so much. There is so much going on in the book. They have um, – the reason – the way the book works is it's almost like a – did you ever read uh, any of the Game of Thrones books, Chris? No, I haven't, no. So the, w- the way those work as far as storytelling is each chapter is the name of a character. So okay. like the first chapter is Eddard Stark, and then it might be Arya Stark, and you just kind of follow them, almost like the show. You just follow them for a couple pages, and then it goes back. This book works the same way. So you had a lot of characters. You had – uh, one character who was kind of like an alcoholic, who was kind of like a you know a local in Hot Springs. Then you had um, gangsters that were coming in from New York and Chicago, and then you'd have a chapter on them and then how they kind of went about. And every single character is interacting. There's a black section of town, and they had their own dan- gambling halls because of segregation and stuff. And then they talk about how segregation is brought up because of Hot Springs. It is a fascinating world. I can't imagine that it's not going to be long till someone starts writing about this for a made-for-TV because this is the next gangster kind of picture slash television series. This could be a TV show so easy. It, it's got to be coming. So, Chris, high recommendations on The Vapors. Totally check it out, dude. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. Um, so, Ben, for my final thing this week, uh, I don't. did you get a chance to see the Emmys this past week? Uh, I was actually going to bring those up, baby. Nice. So the the Emmys happened. Uh, It was the most interesting virtual um, experience ever. Did you see the way that they were awarding people, by the way? Yeah, I I watched the highlights. I didn't see it, actually. So So, how would it... How was it working, like, live? Were you watching it live? uh, So basically... Oh, hold on for a second. My my microphone fell out. Hold on for a second. Well, you sound great. You look great. (laughs) I look great, right? Um, So basically what happened was... Everybody was like doing this from home or they were having like social distanced Emmy parties and things like that. And the Emmy organization would send out people in basically hazmat suits to like hang out in front of these parties. And if the person won, they would like ring their doorbell and give them the Emmy. Uh, but if they lost, they would just leave. So like, <laughs> like this one guy who was nominated put up on his Twitter page, like what happens when you lose an Emmy? He shows the person in a in a hazmat suit, like at his front door. He does. It's announced that he doesn't win. The person just waves and then walks away. So it was like, God, that's terrible. That's, like, <laughs> that's awful. Um. So it was. It was just a very interesting way to, to hand out the awards this year. I, jury's still out if that was actually a good idea uh, to do it that way. But we had some interesting uh, victories. Now the big news uh, from the Emmys was that uh, Schitt's Creek. Uh, the Canadian TV show with Eugene Levy and, and Catherine O'Hara dominated. Uh, it was the first show to yep. ever sweep the major categories in directing, writing, and acting. Ben, first off, um, are you a Schitt's Creek guy? Are you into that show at all? I am not, but Katie Cat is. She's okay. watching. I need to go back and start, start it up with her again. She is all caught up. So, Chris, in our household, just, just breaking this down, all the crazy movies and TV and books and everything that I read, she watches the rest. <laughs> so <laughs> in the, we literally have all of media covered. So like all like like all the things that we don't cover on the show, like Shit's Creek or Keeping Up with the Kardashians and all those things, that's what she watches. So we have everything you know covered in this house. I mean, she might have to be a special guest at some point to uh, explain. I'm gonna. I, I kept pressuring that. her tonight. I'm pressuring. <laughs> I mean, it's just a conversation, Katie. That's all we're talking about here. It's just a conversation. Uh, yeah, Katie. Come on, it's not a performance. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I started Shit's Creek. I got through like 
season one. I wasn't high enough, but everybody tells me it doesn't really great get great till season three. And I hate that because it's like, yeah. well, I, then I would just skip ahead and watch season three. But of course, I can't skip a whole season of television because, <laughs> you know, can't do that. Um, so I just I'm, that when people tell me these things, that irks me. Uh, but anyway, that irks um, me like crazy because <laughs> like then it kind of like spoils the whole show almost. Like, and then you're just like. Oh, I guess I gotta slog through this to get to like the third season. Like, right. The, that's why I can't recommend Downton Abbey. Chris, you ever watched Downton Abbey? I do. Oh, Love it. Oh my God. Uh, starting rewatching it again, starting minute one, that show is on fire. Like, that show mm-hmm. is on like Runaway Highway. I mean, that show, like, by minute 10, I don't know if everyone else's brains work like this, but like, I am hooked. I want to know what's going to happen. Even watching it a second time, I can't wait for my my favorite characters to show up. I, I don't know where I, I just hate that one. It's like, oh, you got to wait for a season five, and then that's when it really gets good. It's like cool. Forget that. You know, like shows like Cobra Kai that have been good since day one. Watch it whenever you want. I don't care. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've just started season two. Um, so yeah, I, we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll slog through it to get to season three, and apparently, if it's that great, I'll, I'll definitely tell you. Um, but the other big winner of that night was one of our favorites, uh, Watchmen. Uh, That's what I was going to report that you, you, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. We were there. It is. We're the trendsetters of media right here. Trendsetters. So Regina King won the the for best lead actress, and I, you know, I had been saying since I saw the first episode, I was like, it's her award to lose at this point. Uh, and if they don't give it to her for Watchmen, I'm going to start a riot myself. Um, but then also some surprising winners, like the guy who played Doctor Manhattan. Won an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor, which I he thought was, was great. awesome, and he was and he great. Was yeah, I thought phenomenal. I thought the whole cast was great in that that show. I mean, and then seeing it, I mean, Chris, you know, thanks to Desperately Seeking Entertainment on stage blog, I I saw it live with the actors in New York City mm-hmm. that first episode. There it and, is, and you know, Louis Gossett Jr. was there, Jeremy Irons was there, everyone was there, and I, and when you get to the end of the first episode, you don't really see any of them. Mm-hmm. You don't see those characters. So I was like, like, I think at the very end, you see Jeremy Irons for one scene. I was like, that was weird that they invited Jeremy Irons for this one, one scene. But like, you know, of course the show doesn't work like that. It's just like right. the Watchmen doesn't work like that. So it's, yeah. it's really interesting. And, you know, kudos to them. I thought it was a great, and they, and so they're calling it a limited series. I saw that. Yes. Yes. So which makes sense. I think they they finally do they finally come out and say this is going to be a limited series or they haven't said anything yet. I don't think they've said anything yet, but I, from what everything I've heard, like there's no there's no plan to to do another season or I guess or another you know series of it. It's, this is this was the one thing that we got, and you know what? I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. Um, the other big winner was Succession, uh, which was another HBO property. Uh, actually, yeah, HBO. Um, and it beat out the likes of Stranger Things, Ozark, Mandalorian, uh, Hands Made's Tale, Better Call Saul, just to name a few. Um, I gotta be honest with you, I I was I like Succession. I'm not crazy about Succession. Uh, I can see why Tony, you know, not Tony. Oh my gosh, Emmy voters uh, kind of drool over this yep. because it's just all it's all strong acting and things like that. But it, there's just not a lot of. I don't see the 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 range like i do on a, sh- a show like billions for instance where you get the funny but you also oh, get the dramatic yeah, i knew i was wondering who was gonna bring it up you or me yeah. uh and still i mean another year with no billions nominations which is like yeah also another I, show i you don't have to wait for season three for billions to get good but if minute one you're all in minute one <laughs> yeah i um, mean and also better it. call saul it, it better call saul is getting better with each episode Mm-hmm. It is aging so fine. And like, and th- that Vince Carter, Vince Carter, am I, am I making up names tonight? <laughs> Wait, Vince Carter. Vince Gallagher? Like the Knicks, right? <laughs> oh, Vince. <laughs> You're right. Vince I love Gallagher. it. I love it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm like Vince Carter from the baseline. Is that where he's from? <laughs> uh, so, um, but he has a plan. And I feel like, Watching Better Call Saul from beginning to end and then starting up with Breaking Bad would be an amazing companion piece that you could just binge all the way through. I think mm-hmm. that's where he's leading us. So I know that that's what's going on. I mean, he's leading us down the path of the birth of Saul. I mean, he's here now, but I, that show's getting great. And, and there's just twists and turns. And they're proving, they're proving to us what a, a prequel can be. 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. until this point, prequels have been just such a waste of time. They've kind of just been like this. All right, we know that. I don't know, the Titanic's going to sink. Why do we need to watch the last day of it or something? It's like, I, you always got that feeling. It's like, all right, I know how this ends. Let's get to the end. Let's get to the action part. We're better call Saul. I mean, they could slow this show down to a crawl, and you could watch Saul literally walk through a desert for a whole episode, which was a great episode this season. And you are intrigued. You don't know what's going to – I don't know what's going to happen. It's just crazy. Great show. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you, Emmys, I'm never really happy with, you know, completely right. with the Emmys. Um, so you, you take what you get, but, um, I, I like the fact that, that Watchmen got as much recognition as it did. And, you know, the jury's still out on Schitt's Creek for me, but we'll see. But, um, yeah. So anyway, man, what do you got for YouTube in this week? Oh, YouTube. And I have tons, tons of YouTubing. So I mentioned the Al Pacino thing earlier. Um, but the thing I wanted to get into on YouTube and okay. Um, Chris, did I bring up a couple weeks ago, Richard Cheese? Yes. Yes. I did. Yep. Um, he has an, so he has a new album, Numbers of the Beast, which is a play on <laughs> Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden, uh, which is a great track on the CD. That just came out a couple weeks ago. But he actually has the song Savage, which I believe is a Ariana Grande song. I mm. believe I'm right on that. Um, and he came out with an official video. So if you look up Richard Cheese Savage, so awesome. And uh, you ask yourself, when you hear Richard Cheese, what does Richard Cheese look like? He looks exactly the way you think he looks. He is just an average-looking, semi-overweight white dude just singing ridiculous songs. So check it out. <laughs> you will you will not be disappointed. Um, but the reason why – the big one this week, Chris, um, was – Chris, do you remember a show called Insomniac with David Tell? Yeah. One of my favorite shows – like ever when it was on, it was on comedy central and they would do, he would go to different cities. Uh, David tell is very funny standup and they would just film him going to different bars. He's drinking, he's smoking cigarettes the whole time. But then I always thought it was the precursor to the show. Dirty jobs. He would go to like down a coal mine or go ride around with garbage men or something like that. Or, and you know, go to an aquarium after hours and like, he'd be up till four really cool show. Um, there's some great insomniac on YouTube. So um, Insomniac with David Tell, Key West, it's uncensored. Uh, don't have the kids in the room. It's 21 minutes long. Uh, that one's great. And then I had Insomniac with David Tell, Casual Conversations. That's an hour long. And then there's another one where he goes to Alaska when the uh, solstice comes out. And so he's up till like 4 in the morning, but it's daylight. It's great. So great trip down memory lane. That show has aged wonderfully. And wait till you see the show, Chris. I highly recommend it because – no one has cell phones. No one's scared of being seen in public because this is the only show that's filming them. Everyone's really friendly and everyone's talking. It, I don't know. It really tripped me. It tripped me out because I was like, no one would ever talk to him nowadays. Mm. Everyone would sit in a corner and be like, oh, who's this uh, camera crew? Like they would like turn their backs on him. I swear to God they would. In this show, they're all like jumping in front of the camera like it's 1918 and we're watching a documentary about World War One. It is just crazy. It's like so crazy how far we've like, I, I don't want to say declined, but it's just a weird thing where we used to get excited for things. And I don't know. Check it out, Chris. Good stuff. I would. I definitely will. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, for my YouTube doing this week, YouTubing, uh, really simple. Ben, are you on like the K-pop wave as right now? Are you, are you, are you listen to K-pop at all? No? Uh, I've seen K-pop. I, I know of it. I know exactly what it is. I, there's a big band. Who is on Saturday Night Live? Oh, BTS. Yes, yes. I saw those dudes. Um, now, Chris, in the Frawley Johnson household, we're getting, we're just getting down the rabbit hole of 90s R&B. Oh, okay. Uh, that just recently, and I should bring that up during YouTubing. So, kind of the same vein, kind of boy bandish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've I've seen K-pop. Little Jodeci, little you know, oh. boys to men, like oh. good stuff. Good Chris, stuff. let me tell you, I had Bobby over and his new lady Carolyn and and me and Katie, and so do you know what a Chromecast is? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I I didn't know what it really was. I knew it was like a Fire Stick kind of thing. So I got one for the basement, and the best thing ever is everyone can cast to it. So like you can just play any video like from your phone. 
So like yeah. anyone can connect to this thing. So you don't know who's going to pick what next. And we just have a queue going, and it's just the greatest thing ever. So I highly recommend it. But go ahead, K-pop. I'm so going K-pop. the K-pop rabbit hole. Go ahead. Um, I got to tell you, we're living in this thing where this time where this is huge. The fans are like they will cut you if you say bad things about their K-pop bands. I have no <laughs> idea what they're saying in these lyrics, and I'm Korean, and I get I'm just like <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and part of me is, and so like what I was watching was like girls reacting to bts music videos or like fans reacting to yeah fans react like just put up like bts music video reaction and it's literally girls screaming like as if it was like the beatles or in sync or like things like this back in the day and they're like we're talking about like white girls in the suburbs of america screaming over like very thin and lanky korean dudes and Part of me is like, where was this when I was like 17? And like, where was this obsession from white girls on Korean dudes? Because I totally would have ran with that as a 17 year old. Um, <laughs> it's like, man. I see you have these little haircuts right here, Chris. I can right? see this. Right. So, um, yeah. So, it, I, I, it's one of those things where I don't get it, but I, I, I love that these people love K pop. I love that they're embracing Korean culture and things like that. But, um, Watch those videos. Just look up like K-pop reaction. It's it's awesome. There's There's so so, many. There's so many. Wait, so like, I mean, you know what, Chris? I mean, back in the day, speaking of the Beatles, there was plenty of countries that were non-English speaking countries that they would scream and pee themselves where the Beatles came around. So I guess language isn't a barrier, I guess. I guess. If you're just cute and young and and sing (laughs) soulfully, you'll you'll do it. And I can say this because I'm Korean, but like there was a – there's like – an award show that happens in like Korea where it's like the Korean music awards or something like that. And all these K-pop groups came up on stage and sung this like group song together. I won't lie. They all look the same to me, like in terms of their style, their hairstyling. I couldn't tell which bands were who. And everybody was like, Oh my God, it's, it's this band. And it's, Oh my God, it's that. I'm like, that guy looks like that guy. Like, <laughs> where's I don't see why I don't see how you're attracted to one person and not attracted to the other one because they look exactly the same. But uh, that's, that's K-pop for you, I guess. I I just I love the fact that and I, I you know I work at a college, so like I'll talk to students sometimes about K-pop and like they know more Korean like language than I do, and it's just <laughs> they'll, they'll start talking to me in Korean. I'm like I have no idea what you're saying, but. Good for you. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing, Chris. I mean, this rabbit hole you just sent me down is out of control. Oh, like, have fun. I see adults. I see uh, guys, girls, everyone, Dude. like kids with their parents. Look, like uh, people are screaming. There's oh. one up up at top. It's like I freaked out, freaked out for 14 minutes straight. I don't know why. I don't. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> That's awesome. And another video I, that I want you to check out. Something is happening on YouTube, and I honestly, to God, love this in all sincerity. Is that young, um, young people uh, of of uh, in the black community are now like putting up videos of them reacting to Tom Jones and the oh, Everly Brothers. What? What? Yeah. And like these these kids, like you know that video of like those guys listening to Phil Collins for the first yeah. time and like oh, freaking I out. That. that was great. Yeah. Same thing. So they're, what they're doing is they're just going back and listening to like Elvis Presley and the Everly Brothers and um, Johnny Cash, and they're freaking out at the vocals. They're like they this you know they're listening great. to um, um, there's a oh, Tom Jones kids. song. The, the the twins, the new the twins. Yep, the, that's a huge. Guys- I, I want to watch this one because I'll Never Fall in Love Again by Tom Jones is one of my favorite songs of all time. I saw Tom Jones five times in concert, and my God, like, just awesome. One of the best oh, vocalists of all time. Oh, people are crying. God. Like, women, like, young black women are watching this now, and they're crying let over Tom you. Jones vocals. Let me tell you, Chris. It. Okay. <laughs> Last time I saw Tom Jones. Okay, let me break this down. Last time I all saw right. Tom Jones, I saw him in Vegas. I saw him in uh atlantic i saw him in vegas twice oh. saw him in atlantic city once saw him in rochester and i saw him at the turning stone i think the turning stone was the last time i saw him and this was probably like 2006 or seven or something so up here in central new york turning stone casino right okay and tom he's gotta be pushing 90 now at the time he probably was 70 something mm-hmm. he women like my age 20 something 30 somethings 
bras off throwing them on stage. Oh, losing like, their minds. I mean, just going nuts. And then, like, I sat next to this, like, older woman, like, that was the head of the Tom Jones fan club. She looked like she was 80 years old. It was just out of control. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And so I just – I love seeing these women and, and young men, like, turning back, looking at, like, vocalists from – you know, the fifties and sixties and seventies and, and just appreciating the art form of singing, you know, like watching them, you know, watch unchained melody for the first time and freaking out at the Everly brothers, things like that. That's awesome. Or the righteous brothers. Yeah. That's awesome to see uh, because it's just, it's just, it just makes you appreciate, you know, music and that's what it's all about. So yeah. Definitely you know watch sometimes, that. sometimes when I watch those videos though, Chris, I just put this out there. Like some of them, it's like first time seeing, Snoop Dogg gin and juice or first time. And I'm like, wait, really? That's your first time. You're 20 something. You're, you've never heard gin and juice by Snoop Dogg. Right. So sometimes I'm a little suspect on these uh-huh. and they're like, Oh wow. And I'm like, all right. Like, but this one, I'll never fall in love, love again by Tom Jones. I know these kids have never seen this. So I, I'm excited to watch. And it. they freak out. They like yeah. one girl bawling it by the end of it. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> so good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, Hey, this was a good one this week. Good one, man. Hey, Stay safe and CT. You too. Uh, yeah. Are you going to hit the road soon or no? That's the plan oh, in November. Sure. So oh. I, I, you know, right around maybe before Thanksgiving, I'll pop up and uh, and see you guys up there in New York. So I can't Sounds wait to do good, that. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. And we are...